So turn in your Bibles to Hebrews chapter 10. Hebrews chapter 10, starting in verse 19. It says, Therefore, brethren, having boldness to enter the holiest by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way, which he consecrated for us through the veil that is his flesh, and having a high priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart, in full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience, and our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider one another in order to stir up love and good works, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as is the manner of some, but exhorting one another, and so much more as you see the day approaching. Let's pray. Lord, as we look into your word, Again, we ask that by your spirit, Lord, you would speak to us. You would open our hearts, Lord, to hear. We want to hear what your spirit is saying to us, the church, tonight. Lord, we are so thankful for this new and living way to be in fellowship with you, Lord, to come into your holy presence because of the precious blood of, of Christ and its eternal cleansing power. So, Lord, we commit our time together to you in the word right now, in Jesus' name, amen. So in this section, starting in verse 19, it begins with the word, therefore. What are we supposed to do when we start with, therefore? We're supposed to find out why the therefore is therefore, right? What is therefore, therefore? So in other words, what he's about to tell us is based upon what he's been previously saying in this chapter. And it's always wise when you have a beginning point in the middle of a chapter to go back and read what he's been saying, you know, and remind yourself about the things that have been said in order to get the context. Amen. Because context is everything. Context is who somebody said king. Okay. Conte context is king so that the Bible is not misinterpreted. We need to have the context. So in this case, he's been explaining to the Jewish believers of the first century the things they needed to hear and understand so that they could move on from the Old Covenant and the religious traditions of their ancestors and fully enter into the New Covenant that God has established so that by faith they could come personally to Jesus who had become their high priest forever, who has passed through the heavens and now ministers in the heavenly temple interceding for them. The writer wants them to know that each and every one of them has direct access into God's holy presence because the blood of Jesus Christ has accomplished something that the blood of bulls and goats could never accomplish, namely the complete forgiveness of their sin and the cleansing of their guilty conscience. And as it says in first, the first chapter of 1 John, if we confess our sins, God is faithful and just to forgive us and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. The blood of Jesus Christ cleanses us. 
from all unrighteousness. And notice what he's also said back in verse 17 of Hebrews 10. According to this new covenant, God has promised that their sins and their lawless deeds I will remember no more. And previously, he has also said that they have been sanctified. He's also said that they have been perfected, having believed the gospel and having put their faith in Jesus Christ. The Apostle Paul has expanded on these truths in the book of Romans. For example, it says in Romans 8, whom God has called, he has also justified. And whom he justified, whom he has justified, he has also glorified. And here in Hebrews, he wants them to know that God has done a complete work of salvation that encompasses their past, their present, and their future. Now, we may struggle with the truth of that uh, here on earth, but from God's eternal perspective, it's a done deal. In Christ, you are justified. In Christ, you are sanctified. And in Christ, you are glorified. Amen? Now he says in verse 19, Therefore, brethren, having boldness to enter the holiest by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way which he consecrated for us through the veil that is his flesh. This meant a total paradigm shift in, the, in their thinking, in the thinking of these first century Jewish believers. Because under the old covenant, no one would ever think about being so bold as to go behind the veil and enter the holiest of holies. To do so would have meant certain death according to the old covenant. We know only the high priest would go behind the veil and that only once a year with the blood of animals as a sacrifice to make atonement. But now he's saying based on the finished work of Christ, there is direct access by faith to the presence of God for all who believe and for all who have received the gospel. When the flesh of Christ was torn on the cross, God tore the veil, right? God tore the veil in the temple, signifying that only the atoning sacrifice of Christ could remove the barrier of sin that separated us from God and from having direct access into his holy presence. So he says, this way into God's presence was new. Not only did it just happen recently for, the, for his readers, but it was new in the sense that it was, in no way was it part of the old covenant that was growing old and that was vanishing away. It was new and it was also a living way because it involves a living relationship with our living savior and our living high priest who has died and has rose again and whoever lives to make intercession for us. He's saying it's no longer an external religious exercise, but a living relationship with the living God by the indwelling of the Holy Spirit and the law of God written on our hearts. The Holy, by the Holy Spirit whom Christ lives within us. It's Christ in us, amen? The hope of glory. So God tearing the veil symbolizes the new and living way that is now open to all who believe. And based on these assurances, we have an open invitation to dwell in the presence of God every moment of every day. Now, I'm supposed, I know I'm supposed to be hospitable, but 
I'll, I'll tell you that I don't do well with unexpected guests. I don't do well with people just stopping by my house because they just happen to be in the neighborhood and ding dong, who is it? Now, if you do that, it's not like I won't let you in. But I, I would prefer that you call first. Anybody like me like that? Okay, there's a couple, all right. But my kids, it's different with my kids. My kids, who are now all adults, they have an open invitation. They have what some might call a standing invitation. They don't need to call first. They can come whenever they want, for whatever reason they want. I'm always glad to see them. They're always welcome to come, stay as long as they want. I've said to them many times, and my Spanish is not very good, mi casa, is it su casa? Thank you, thank you. What's the interpretation of that anyway? I don't really... My house is your house. Okay. I was hoping it was something good. <laughs> but that is, that's the, that is the case with everyone who's in the family of God. Amen? Because we've been adopted in and, uh, and now are accepted among the beloved, we have a standing invitation with God. We have an open invitation to come at any time for any reason into his presence and before his throne of grace. Isn't it glorious? And he says here that we can come with boldness. That word actually means a, a freedom to speak. God invites us to speak freely to him, to share what's on our heart. It talks about having a true heart. It's an honest heart, a sincere heart. And he says in verse 22, let us draw near with a, with a true heart in full assurance of faith. Having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. So here's a question. Do we need to prepare ourselves spiritually sometimes to enter into fellowship with God? I think it, de I think it, it depends. Have you been out of fellowship with the Lord? Have you drifted away? Is there something you need to get right with God? Or have you been walking in the light as he is in the light? Or have you been stumbling around in the darkness? When there's a need to return to fellowship with God, it will mean repentance and confession of sin. It will, it will mean asking once again for a fresh cleansing of conscience and a, a fresh cleansing of all unrighteousness and a purifying of heart and receiving of God's assurance once again that he forgives you. A reminding, I think, of the blood of Jesus Christ that cleanses us from all sin, that it has an eternal cleansing power. It all should result in a thankful heart, a thanking God for our faithful high priest who makes intercession for us and is our advocate with the Father. Hebrews teaches us that we can approach the throne of grace with boldness and a full assurance of faith to find mercy, amen, to find mercy and grace in our time of need. I think he emphasizes this so that we are not deceived in any way by the enemy who tries to get us to think that God is like other, like other people in our lives or that God acts and responds like someone else uh, that may be offended. The enemy would have us believe that uh, God is mad at you or that his arms are folded and that his back is turned and that he doesn't want to be bothered anymore, that you've gone too far. 
Don't ever let the enemy deceive you about that. When it's time to return to the Lord, you come. Amen? You come with boldness. You come with a full assurance of faith. It says he, a contrite heart he will not despise and that he stands ready to forgive. What gives us boldness to come back to the Lord, to return to the Lord? I think it's faith and believing in what God's word has said and what it tells us, first of all, what God has done for us in the past, what he's ready to give us in the present, and what he promises to give us in the future. We have to believe that God's love is enduring, that he continues to call us his own. He wants to have fellowship with us. He wants us to come to him. We have a standing invitation to come into the presence of the Lord as his children. So he says in verse 21, remember also that you have a high priest over the house of God. Jesus is the head of the church. He's the savior of the body who has laid down his life so that we can have this new and living way. He gave his life in order to remove that barrier of sin that kept us from direct access into God's holy presence. We have a high priest in the heavens who passed through the heavens having given his life, laying down his life so that we can approach the throne of grace with boldness and a full assurance. Notice in verse 23, he says, let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering for he who promised is faithful. Hope is supported by faith. Faith that is looking forward. And we're going to talk more about faith that's looking forward when we get to Hebrews chapter 11. It's not, I hope something will happen, right? That's the kind of hope we hear about in our culture. But hope in the scriptures is, is an anticipation and expectation of receiving what God has promised. Hope is supported by faith that is looking forward. Faith, we know, comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So faith is believing and responding to what God has said in his word, again, about the past, the present, and the future. For example, faith believes the word of God, which says in the past, God has created the heavens and the earth. This is something that God has done in the past, we believe it by faith. Also in the past, we believe by faith that just at just the right time, Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners and to die for our sins. Faith also believes what God says about the present. For example, if I confess my sin, I believe what God's word tells me, that he's faithful and just to forgive me and to cleanse me from all unrighteousness. Faith believes what God says about the present. But faith also, also believes what God says about the future and about the things that we hope for, the things that are yet to come, the things that we have yet to receive. That's faith looking forward, like the coming of the Lord and being changed into his likeness and entering into our heavenly dwelling and receiving our, our reward, which is kept for us in heaven. This is faith looking forward. So he says again in verse 23, let us hold fast the confession of our hope 
without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. Confession has to do with what you say to those around you. The statements of faith and hope that you make because of what you truly believe. Jesus said, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks, right? So what do you believe? And what are you saying to others about the future? Is your speech full of faith? Is your speech full of hope? If not, here's a great verse for you to memorize and meditate on if you want to jot this down. Romans 15, 13. Romans 15, 13 says, Now may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing that you may abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. One of the great themes of Hebrews is the glorious hope that we have and all that we can rejoice in. It's all that faith believes that God has said regarding the future. Faith looking, for, looking forward. Faith looking forward includes the next thing that you ask God for. The next thing that you're trusting God for. Faith looking forward involves the next thing that you're waiting on the Lord for in hope. Again, based upon what God has already promised to give to you, then we ask. Right? Jesus said, ask, and it will be done for you. That my Father may be glorified, that you will be my disciples. We ask according to the will of God, and now we're to believe God for it. Without wavering, without doubting. Because he who promised is faithful. So why is hopeful faith that looks forward so important when it comes to returning to fellowship with God. I think because you must believe that God is faithful, that he will give to you again in the present. When he gives it, it's the present. What he has promised when you ask for it. We must believe, looking forward, that he will give to us what we ask for. When we ask for forgiveness. When we ask for cleansing. When we ask for assurance and a washing, we must believe that God will give to us what he has promised to give to us. Faith must look forward in hope for what God has promised to give, and it should result in a confession before others that is unwavering because, again, God who promised is faithful. Verse 24, and let us consider one another in order to stir up love and good works not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together, as is the manner of some, but exhorting one another. This is tied directly in with our confession of hope and how we influence other believers when we are assembled together. I think the picture of the, the hot coals and the hot embers is very ap appropriate to illustrate this, this idea of, of fellowship and assembling ourselves together. We've all spent time around campfires, right? We've all spent time around campfires. We've all stared into the campfire and, you know, and watched the heat rise and the, the, the embers start to form at the, the base of the fire, the glowing hot embers. You know the ones that if you get your marshmallow a little too close, it's going to become a, a burnt offering <laughs> real fast. These are hot. 
And we all know what happens if you take one of those embers with a pair of tongs or something and remove it from the rest. What happens? Not very long until it starts to fade, go dim, and go cold. Not very long until it's cold and dead and lifeless because it's separated from the rest, right? The same, it's the same way with Christian fellowship. When Christians are together, seeking the Lord together, worshiping together, praying together, growing together, we warm each other up. It says here, when we remain faithful to meet together, we're going to stir each other in a good way. It happens, I think, when we get to know each other, when relationships are built with our brothers and sisters in Christ. And we discover each other's gifts and talents and interests and abilities. The Holy Spirit uses us to exhort one another to love and good works. And then he says, and the more, the better. So Sunday mornings are, are great. Wednesday evenings are wonderful. We're glad that you're here. But I think every Christian should be involved in a smaller group meeting of believers as much as possible. I believe this and become convinced of this more and more. Where you have the opportunity to share your heart and to hear the heart of others, it blows my mind how many times God has used other Christians in small group fellowships, other Christians to speak into my life and to encourage me and to spur me on to step out in faith and in obedience simply because I was faithful just to show up regularly with godly people who love me and, and care for me. Christians who stop going to church or forsake the fellowship of the believers can be like that ember that got separated from the rest. They can become cold and lifeless and useless because they they're done with fellowship for whatever reason. They're separated and no longer together with the rest. It reminded me of a, a verse from Proverbs chapter 18 that says, a man who isolates himself seeks his own desire and he rages against all wise judgment. Right? Then he says at the end of verse 25, and so much more as you see the day approaching. In other words, knowing the benefits of Christian fellowship and knowing your need to be encouraged and to be spurred on and to be built up, meet with other believers as often as you can. Look for opportunities for fellowship. And so much more as you see the day approaching because time is running out. Now, as you look around the world today, you look at our culture, our society as a whole, are things getting better or are things getting worse? Paul told Timothy that in the last days, perilous times would come. Listen to this list. I'll just read it from, from uh, 2 Timothy 3. He says, perilous times will come for men will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, unloving, unforgiving, 
slanderers, without self-control, brutal, despisers of good, traitors, headstrong, haughty, lovers of pleasure, rather than lovers of God. How many of you watched the Grammys recently? Okay. I had to, I, I went online because I don't watch it very often. I want to make sure I got this right. The Grammys is an accolade by the National Academy of Recording Artists and Sciences of the United States to recognize outstanding achievement in the music industry. I didn't watch it uh, this year, but I read about it, what took place. It wasn't all bad, but the open, there was an open, blatant celebration of homosexuality and gay marriage. Anybody read about that? Hear about that? I thought, how indicative of the times in which we live. And how it's so in line with what the Bible has prophesied about the last days. But I, then I got to thinking, the Bible also tells us, as believers, to look up. Amen? For our redemption draws near. Jesus is coming again. These things that are going on serve to remind us that time is running out. After tonight, you and I will have one less day to seek the kingdom of God and to bear fruit for his name. One more day will have passed. Chuck Smith used to say, when you see the Christmas decorations go up in the stores, you know, and it's getting earlier and earlier, you see the Christmas decorations go up and you see the merchandise for sale, you know Thanksgiving Day is coming soon. Okay? The point is, when we see the world and society in a greater and greater, greater moral decline, and we see the rise of ungodliness and blatant immorality, we know that Jesus is coming again soon. Jesus is going to come and call us up to himself, just as he has promised. And all that the scripture foretells about the coming of the day of the Lord will take place. Time is running out. Time is short. I think what he's saying here in Hebrews is let's redeem the time. For the days are evil. Let's redeem the, the time by staying in fellowship with the Lord, by walking with the Lord. And by, by ramping up our fellowship with other believers. Let's look for every opportunity to be together as, un as believers spurring each other on to love and good works because we were created in Christ Jesus for good works. Those are good works that he has created beforehand that we should walk in them. Amen? Okay, let's pray. Lord, thank you for your word tonight. Lord, I pray for anyone here that is, feels like they've wandered away, Lord, feels like they've been out of fellowship with you. We pray that you'd minister to their hearts, Lord, and, and we have people that, we, that come to mind, family and friends, Lord, who are outside of fellowship, who have forsaken the assembly of the believers, Lord, who may have been, been growing cold like that ember that got, got separated from the rest. We pray for them, Lord. We pray, Lord, that 
you would speak to their hearts, that you would draw them back to yourself, that they would know, Lord, that you will welcome them with open arms. Lord, that you stand ready to forgive, ready to restore, ready to cleanse, ready to say, let's go, let's, let's move on from here and walk together in the light. So, Lord, thank you for your fellowship and thank you for the fellowship of the believers. Lord, what a joy it is to be in fellowship. And open our eyes wide, Lord, to what um, takes place as we come together in the unity of your spirit. As we come together, Lord, with like those who are like-minded, in one accord, who want to grow in you and who, come, who love you and want to worship you, Lord, and who desire to know how to please you. Lord, together, as godly people, full of the Holy Spirit, we will spur each other on to love and good works. Lord, thank you for that. May we not be robbed of that in any way, but take every opportunity as we see the day approaching, Lord, we see the way this world is going. We know the prophetic word, but we rejoice that you are coming again. And Lord, we look forward. We, we love your appearing, Lord. And we want to be found walking in you when you come, abiding in you, in fellowship with you, Lord. So thank you again for your word tonight. In Jesus' name, amen. So we're going to have a great...